After a hard-fought win against Illinois on Friday night, Purdue is back on the road this week. Tuesday night, late in Lincoln, Nebraska, to take on the Cornhuskers. We will break all of that down on Gold and Black Radio. Kyle Charters here, Brian Newbert as well. Brian, in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East Inn Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East Inn Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. Boilermakers headed to Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers at a game late on Tuesday night following Purdue's win on Friday against Illinois. Uh, Brian, uh, Purdue did a lot of things well uh, against Illinois on Friday. Among those was its ability to play basketball for long stretches without Zach Eady, who had the rare occasion uh, to be in foul trouble. I mean, I think that had to be the big takeaway from that game that Purdue has to have some confidence now going forward, including into the game on uh, Tuesday night in Lincoln. Yeah, you know, I think uh, much has been made of Purdue's depth this season. But I think, you know, part of that depth is the fact that you have guys who can come in off the bench and actually, you know, impact, really impact games as like featured guys. And obviously, obviously, Trey Kaufman Wren was needed in a way. He's not been needed all that often as a go to guy sort of player offensively uh, against Illinois and uh, obviously delivered. And uh, but also he and Mason Gillis both made just profound impacts on the glass and. I think it was kind of a combination of a really, you know, good offensive game by Purdue, a really sharp offensive game by Purdue from guys who, you know, aren't or aren't ordinarily their leading scorers, but also a classic sort of effort game by Purdue because Trey Kaufman ran and Mason Gillis um, on the offensive glass were just game changers. And uh, I say that, and I failed to mention the guy who got 15 rebounds in 22 minutes, obviously Zach Eady. So <laughs> yeah. the rebounding part of it was just – you know, a supreme effort. And I think that that's not always the easiest balance to strike because sometimes um, these really precise offensive teams as, as Purdue has become are not always, the, you know, the, the grinders, but I think, you know, that was a combination thereof against Illinois the other night. Yeah. Zach Eady had a 
we'll put this in italics with asterisks around it too. Uh, he had a he had a bad game, ten and fifteen, which like three hundred teams in the country would take every night, right? I mean, yeah, obviously 10 fifteen, yeah. <laughs> um, and he missed three free throws, uh, yeah, which is completely unlike him, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you didn't get your normal Zach Ed productivity, and you won anyway, and you won pretty convincing. I know people yeah. are going to look at the final score and say you won by five, but. Um, it was a 21-point game in the second half. There were some bizarre things that happened in the final minute uh, in terms of a very strange, flagrant foul coupled with, you know, Purdue missing a couple one-on-one-and-ones at the worst moment. Obviously, yeah. that's part of the game, so I can't call that a fluke, but um, Illinois got handed two points off of that flagrant foul, and uh, it made the game look much closer than it actually was. I don't think there was ever really a moment where, like oh this is you know this isn't going to end well for Purdue even though the score started to narrow yeah I agree with you there I was never really felt like it was in it was in doubt even though it you know got a little strange there with that flagrant foul uh in in the last minute um you know Trey Kaufman ran I mean he he really stepped into that even before Edie got into foul trouble he'd gotten off to a good start in that game um I mean that that duo, him and and Zach Eady. I, I think you sort of wrote this. Maybe you wrote this after this game, or talked about it somewhere. I mean, just sort of, you know, playing the the Travion Williams role there a little bit, and uh, uh, you know, giving you a two headed monster in the middle that you can throw the ball into and them be productive as Purdue was a few years ago when it had uh, Eady and Williams together. Yeah, and uh, I think they're more different than. Zach Eady and Travion Williams were. Um, But the productivity, at least on Friday night, didn't drop off at all. And I've been writing about Trey Kaufman ever since Portland last year that if you just put him into Zach Eady's usage, if you just put him into Zach Eady's minutes, this is what you're getting every game. Maybe not 23 or 26, whatever he had, but uh, you're getting 18 and 9, something like that. You're getting an all-Big Ten player. And uh, I think that's what you'll see at Purdue next year. Um, but on this particular night, when obviously Zach Eady was dealing with some rarely seen foul trouble, and I, I do think his first two fouls were probably merited. Um, his his fourth foul was obviously merited. The third one was the one that was a little bit dicey, if I recall correctly. You know, the other the other thing that I thought that was a positive takeaway for Purdue is that it it didn't necessarily get great shooting games from its its two main guards uh Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer there's been a bit of a a a narrative nationally that Purdue wins when it's two guards and Zach Eady play well I mean certainly you want that trio to play well but Purdue does have some other options there I mean we saw Trey Kaufman win and then you get three pointers I think that were huge uh in in the moment uh Camden Heidi hits one uh, Ethan Morton hits one. The Ethan Morton one, I believe, came right after the Coleman Hawkins three-pointer was wiped off due to the shot clock violation. I mean, those are those are huge swings. Purdue proves again um, that it can win uh, with some other guys. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty bold national narrative, as you mentioned before, to say that when a team's three best players play well, a team's tough to beat. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's it's uh i i don't know how many 
opportunities Fletcher Lawyer really got. He he made the one three off the offensive rebound, but his usage is going to come and go. I think that's been pretty clear this season where they're going to run stuff for him against certain people, yeah, against certain matchups at certain times, and sometimes he's not going to get very many shots. I think that was the case against Illinois. He did he did break down the defense off the dribble a couple times. Um, got Purdue a couple offensive rebounds off his misses, you know, things like that. But some nights are just not going to be his night. And uh, you can't always judge him by his scoring total because as good a offensive basketball team as Purdue is, the way to be really good on offense, as I keep saying over and over again, the way to be a really good offensive basketball team is to have a bunch of really good offensive basketball players on the floor. <laughs> and there's more to that yeah. than just shooting. And he's – He's uh, there are going to be nights where he goes and gets 27 for you, like he did against Arizona, like he did against Tennessee. But there's going to be a lot of nights, too, where he gets six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. And it doesn't look like he was really good, but he made pretty better offensively yeah. uh, because he was out there. And, uh, you know, obviously there are some, some defensive things to overcome uh, that sometimes Painter is going to have to manage. Maybe that was a little bit of the case against Illinois. Um, but. Uh, yeah, Braden Smith was just kind of opportunistic against Illinois. Uh, didn't make it long twos the way he normally does. I think he made two threes, didn't he? I don't have the stats in front of me. Yeah. But um, I thought he and Trey Kaufman ran were really good in pick and roll, which was surprising yeah. because it's not like they do that very often. Illinois clearly was – making a priority to stay with Braden Smith off of those ball screens. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, when he would uh, when he would contain Smith coming off the screen, he would just stay with him. Uh, it was the kind of thing that sometimes people did uh, against Purdue when Carson Edwards was on the team and, to a certain extent, Ryan Klein. Um, so perhaps the scoring opportunities weren't there quite as much for him, but at the same time, that's – part of the reason Trey Kaufman Ren goes off because he had a couple of buckets in that pick and roll action that, you know, you, you hadn't really seen all that much from him in terms of the short roll runners. So even when these guys aren't scoring, I think they're opening things up for other people. I think that is easy to overlook sometimes when you're as good as Purdue is. And some of these players are as good as they are and people want to see numbers. You know, that, uh, of all the sets that Purdue runs offensively, the one that I currently love the most uh, involves the high screen and roll with Zach Eady with, with Mason Gillis getting leaked in behind the screener for the three-pointers. I love that play. <laughs> and uh, Purdue is so good in that play, and Mason Gillis is so good in that role. Um I mean, he's a, he's a heck of a valuable player because he can hit some big shots and he just does all that dirty work for you. And, I mean, all that came to the forefront in the game on Friday night. Well, that action you're talking about, too, is absolutely critical, too, to Mason Gillis being a great post-entry guy. Uh, yeah. He's gotten assists or hockey assists for whatever it might be off of that. But also he can make that shot. And, uh, yeah, he he's just kind of perfect for that role. Um from an, that's a huge part of where his offensive value lies, but also on the offensive glass. And um, played a really good defensive game against Illinois too. That Ethan Moore or that Camden Heidi three in transition, 
yeah. he made that play because he stood uh, Quincy Derriere up, made him miss, got the rebound, got the ball outletted very quickly to Braden Smith. Camden mm-hmm. Heidi ran the floor, and all of a sudden Camden Heidi's making a wing three in transition. It was it was Mason Gillis's positional defense there that started that whole play. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a good play and a big play in a in a big moment. So Purdue on the road um at Nebraska on, on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, Nebraska's a more dangerous team than what it has been. This is a late game on a Tuesday night, uh, when the weather outside is probably gonna be not all that great. I mean, these are the the dangerous ones, I think, in Big Ten play, um, in a in a Big Ten that seems to be wide open after Purdue. I don't know. Everyone's uh, I think everyone's the same. Uh, what do you think about the the game on Tuesday night? Well, I think I think Purdue's pretty immune to some of those, you know phone it in slash letdown factors that we often talk about for games like this. I think they're, I think they're more mature than a lot of teams who would go into a game like this and not be ready. I think they're uh, pretty, uh, pretty insulated from a basketball perspective outside of the turnovers. I think that's their one vulnerability, obviously, Um, you know, Purdue could have played better from head against Illinois. Uh, I think that's probably maybe something where they're still growing into. I don't know if Purdue's still at a place where they should be growing into anything. They've got so much experience now and so much situational experience. But I, I think Purdue's uh, – I don't think people should be too worried about Purdue in terms of these sleepy Tuesday night yeah. games in the winter, uh, these non-high-profile games. I think Purdue knows damn well that Nebraska is especially dangerous at home. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know if any of these guys have really experienced it, but Purdue's lost at Nebraska before. Um, Purdue's really laid an egg at Nebraska before a couple of times. Uh, and I'm sure this team is being reminded of some of those things. Uh, and uh, I just wouldn't anticipate, you know, Purdue just not showing up or, or just kind of phoning it in. You know, the one game they lost this year at Northwestern, starting the game wasn't the problem. And when you phone a game in, you don't start well. That's – Right. I think that's fair to fair to say that wasn't the issue at Northwestern. It was playing from ahead that was the issue at Northwestern. The turnovers, things like that. But Purdue was up like 15 in the first half, weren't they? Something like that. Yeah. Purdue started that game fine. Purdue started every game fine, uh, with the exception of maybe Alabama. But that was a bit of an outlier because because Alabama was on a uh, virtually unprecedented heater from three point range. Yeah. Who do you think is the biggest challenger? We're, we're four games into the Big Ten for most teams, three or four games in. Uh, is it still – I mean, my opinion was it was Illinois. I, I think it probably still is Illinois. Um, do you have somebody out there that you think's the biggest challenger to, to Purdue this year? I don't think there's anything close to a close second, but I would maybe pick Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, at this point, uh, I think Illinois is going to be better than – it was reasonable to assume they'd be without Terrence Shannon. And I'm assuming Terrence Shannon isn't coming back. Um, but I think they're still like at least an upper half big 10 team. They're still an NCAA tournament team uh, in terms of who's the, who's best position to finish two games or three games behind Purdue in the race. Uh, I know I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself there, but I'm just, 
talked about that in terms of how much better Purdue is on the field. I'd, I'd say maybe Wisconsin. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I, th- I think Michigan State's exactly what I thought Michigan State might be, to be honest with you, not to pat myself on the back, but you return all the same 22 year old players from a team that was a little bit above average last year. And you expected them to be a top five team this year, just because they beat Marquette in the NCAA tournament. That didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I think you're seeing too, a lot of these teams, like why isn't Maryland better? Why isn't Michigan state better? They've got all these same dudes back, right? Why are they worse? I think there's, there's like a, there's something going on at those places. Um, but I think the root of the issue at Michigan State is just that all the guys they brought back were average to slightly above average Big Ten players last year, and now they're the same guys. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've I've talked about this before. I know this isn't a Michigan State focused podcast, but it's been years since he's had a typical Tom Izzo team. I mean, you know. I will uh, I will defer to Rayfeld Davis on this because he actually used the word on TV last night. But they're not they're soft. They're not they're not Michigan State tough. They haven't been in years. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just they're just not what they once were. And you sort of wonder if it's ever come back right. because Izzo stopped either stopped getting his guys, stopped being able to get his guys, or those guys don't exist anymore. One way or the other, they're just not. They're just not the same. There's no Draymond Green. There's no Kenny Goins, right? Yeah. This is what we're talking about. There's no Cassius Winston there. There's no, you know, really, really tough, tough-minded veterans on that team. Uh, Tyson Walker's a good player. Uh, all those other guys are, you know, s- some of them are flat-out coach killers. Uh, and some of them are just flat soft. And that's, that's why Michigan State's – where Michigan State is right now. And to be honest with you, if Tom Izzo heard everything I just said, I don't think he'd disagree with me. <laughs> uh, no, judging from uh, watching his his presser uh, after the loss uh, on Sunday night to Northwestern, I, I don't think he would disagree with you at all because uh, he used some of those words, uh, at least some of them, implied at least that his team doesn't have the toughness that it needs to have. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we don't cover Michigan State. We don't cover uh, Maryland. We don't know as much about them. But is it not a danger with a 12, 13 man roster in the transfer era that that sometimes things just aren't going to work out? <laughs> like that's the danger of playing well, that game, right? I mean, I don't. I don't know that that's what's happening in Michigan State or Maryland per se. But uh, when you add, I mean, it has worked out. It seems for Illinois this year. They've added pieces, and the pieces seem to be working. Um, that we will see you know, longer term here, how that works without Terrence Shannon. But um, I, I think in football, the transfer era, the, the, some of that chemistry stuff doesn't matter as much. But when you're talking about a small roster, uh, that's the the danger that you play a little bit is that you just end up with a roster that doesn't work. Well, there's stuff going on in college basketball too that, you know, I, I can't say for certain this is affecting anybody in the Big Ten, but – there are situations, you know, where um, where these teams are just getting kind of pieced together on the fly. And yeah. there are situations yeah. where everybody in the locker room knows how much money everybody's making. Right. And, you know, it, it's just there are situations, obviously, where, you know, the, the transfer portal is something that 
people around players are always bringing up stuff like I think Purdue's pretty immune to that because I think Purdue, the way Purdue recruits, uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, spread propaganda here for Purdue, but the way Purdue recruits, honestly, I think they they sidestep a lot of that stuff. Now, are they ever going to be 100% immune to it? Probably not. The day will probably come where, you know, something happens. But I think the way he has built his teams before all this undercurrent stuff was going on uh, has almost made it almost made it immune to a lot of what's going on in college basketball. And there's there's got to be some reason to the fact, other than the fact Purdue's got good teams, there's got to be – it is really interesting that Purdue has surged as a program when all of this stuff is going on that isn't necessarily the game Purdue is playing, right? Yeah. Uh, Purdue seems to have really good chem- chemistry. They've got a deep rotation of guys who all – seem bought in you know and i think trey coffin ren is kind of your perfect example this is a guy who when zach Eady came back stuff changed for him as i said before had zach Eady stayed in the draft you know trey coffin ren's a first team all big 10 player caliber right. player right now um he's not worried about how much money he's making he's not worried about i'm sure he'd like to play more minutes i'm sure he'd like to get more shots but he's not he's not going home and sulking about it he's going home and reading books you know, he's <laughs> yeah. he's going home and and thinking about his ethics class because he's 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 that type of kid. And, you know, Caleb first is the same way. He's just kind of a happy warrior, you know, stuff like that to use. I think Gene Katie used to say that. I, I, I can't remember or not, but these guys aren't worried about stuff. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like to me that there's a lot of guys on this team, you know, who have earned more than they're getting. And there is no, and I, I don't mean that in terms of money. I mean, I, I mean that in terms of minutes, you right. know, starting jobs, things like that. And to this point, I don't see any red flags in terms of that being problematic. Uh, you have guys who've started, started games for Purdue before a lot of games, helped Purdue win a lot of games over the years. And they're now coming off the bench and they're now playing smaller roles and they're still playing their asses off and they're still, they're still impacting winning. And I just think that that's, that's a dynamic you build over years. And that's, that's a dynamic you don't build when a kid gets to your campus in June before, before uh, he plays his first game with a brand new team as a 21 year old. It's a dynamic you build when you're recruiting a kid as a junior in high school or a sophomore in high school. And I think it's been a little bit funny uh, that Purdue has sort of kept on doing what it's doing. And by doing so, it's gone against the grain in college basketball and all this stuff that, you know, theoretically could have really hurt Purdue in terms of players leaving, players looking for more, more, more money and things like that. I think that's become an advantage for Purdue because they've done things a certain way. And that certain way stands out against the landscape to the point where Purdue's got advantages that come from it, not disadvantages. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, th- I think it's uh, got to be incredibly challenging, but Matt Painter's built a, a culture right now that works. He's attracted players that fit into that and that want to be for at Purdue for multiple reasons. I do agree with you, too. There will come a day, and it, it won't be this year. It probably won't be next year, though it could. Maybe five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever, where it doesn't work. 
uh, and, and something goes awry. But uh, we'll en- we'll enjoy this uh, from a producer. Well, while it does. You had guys after last season who could have made a lot of money. Yeah. Had they decided they wanted to go somewhere other than Purdue. And I'm not just talking about underclass. When I'm talking about Zach Eady, he could have come back, withdrawn from the draft, but gone in the portal instead of coming back to Purdue. And he could be making three million bucks a year somewhere right now, probably. Right. But these guys are invested in Purdue. And I think that's I think you're seeing that on the floor. Right. All right. Thanks, man. Enjoy the trip. Yep. Thank you. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbert, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.